Welcome to Generation Travel Radio, where we share the stories of people from a diverse range of generations and backgrounds whose lives have been enriched academically, professionally, and personally by international experiences. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Generation Travel Radio. It's so great to have you back with us for another episode, and I'm so excited to be back here with Kelly. Hi, Kelly. How are you doing? Hello, doing well. It's good to connect again, and we're so excited to have our next guest on, who has a great different background than we've had before, who is Svenja Schlatau. How are you, Svenja? Good. Hi. She's coming to us from Germany, so we've got another international guest, not from the U.S. Svenja is a native of Germany. She first visited the U.S. on a year-long high school exchange in the great beer and cheese state of Wisconsin, go Midwest, uh, and later explored Northern California when she studied abroad at Chico State University. Now a project manager living in Hamburg, Germany, Svenja expands her international group of friends by hosting couch servers like me around the globe, showing off her great city of Hamburg as only a true local could. Svenja and Aaron met when Svenja graciously offered to host Svenja and her travel companion and best mate via the couch surfing app while they visited Hamburg. So yeah, again, thanks for coming on and thanks for connecting with me years ago when you let me sleep on your couch. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this. Yeah, we are just as excited to have you on. And I was telling Svenja before the show started that we really wanted her perspective because she's had some unique experiences with international education prior to most Americans' experience, including in high school, as I mentioned. And then she's also studied in the U.S. versus being a U.S. person, you know, studying in another country. So getting that perspective will be great to hear as well. So I'll hop into the first question here, but I gave some basics on you, but we would love to hear from your perspective and how you would describe yourself, any more basics about you, your passions in life. Obviously, we know where you're from, but from your local perspective, anything special you want to explain about your history of where you've grown up um, and then who you are on a day-to-day basic professionally and personally. Yeah, my name is Svenja, which is actually a Swedish name. But as far as I know, my whole background is pretty much plain German. So I was a little disappointed when I found that out, actually. I was born and raised in uh, Hamburg, which is a city in northern Germany. And I'm still living in Hamburg, so I didn't make it very far. When I went to high school, I did an exchange program for a year. I was, I think, in 10th grade, so a sophomore or junior. And I uh, applied for the United States. They told me they didn't know where I would end up. And I ended up in Wisconsin. I've never even heard of that state before in my life. But it didn't really matter to me. Even before going there, I was just excited to go to experience something new. It didn't have to be like a big state like California, which is very popular, or like New York, a big city. I was just excited to get to know like the real American life, everyday life. So that was a really interesting experience for me, which I think shaped pretty much all of my life from then on. I've been going back to the States pretty much every single year since then. So just to visit my family and my friends who are mostly still living in Wisconsin, which is nice, but they kind of spread around the state a little. So I also get to experience a little bit more of the state and of course of the whole country. I usually travel a lot in the states when I'm there like I fly over to California or we do road trips starting in Chicago all the way down to New Orleans and then way back so that has been a lot of fun 
after I graduated from high school here in Germany, I started to study computer science and business management. And I chose a dual system study, which means that I had a company who paid my whole tuition, but in exchange, I had to work for them while I studied. So that was really nice. It gave me a really nice insight of how actually working works. Like when you just study, sometimes I feel like you only get the theoretical view of working. But since I had to learn something and then actually apply it in my company, that was really nice. So yeah, um, after graduating, I changed the company after half a year and I started to work as a project manager for a um, machinery company and we develop and build laser systems. And my position as a project manager is in the development and research department. So I'm responsible for actually bringing the people together to different departments in our, yeah, in our field, like optics or mechanics, electronics, software. I'm responsible of bringing those people together and developing uh, new laser systems. So that has been a lot of fun. I've been with that company now for a few years and I really enjoy my job. I love to bring people together. In my free time, I sing in two different choirs or let's say pre-corona, I sang in two different choirs right now. Most of that is a little bit on hold, unfortunately, but I hope eventually both of those choirs will pick up again. One of them is a big gospel choir. We have, I think, about 80 people in that, which is really fun. It's really yeah, open. Everybody can join. And then I have a second choir. I think we're about 25 people. And that choir takes it a little bit more seriously. Um, you have to audition for the choir. We have a few performances a year. The style of the music is more a little popish, jazzy, a cappella style. So that's really cool. I really like that. And then the rest of the time, I pretty much spend um, with my friends. I love to meet new people via couch surfing or just yeah, over interesting Facebook groups like Internationals in Hamburg or I don't know, tandem things where you exchange language. I met a couple of friends when I said that I wanted to learn Japanese and they wanted to improve their German. So we met for coffee and with two of them, I've been friends for like six or seven years now, which is really nice. We've gotten really close. That's a brief description of myself. <laughs> Svenja, one of the things that we like to ask our guests is what their personal mission is. And this is just, what is kind of your, your hope for what you can do in your lifetime? Is that We get a whole bunch of different answers, but we would love to know what yours is. I feel like my personal mission is to bring people together from different backgrounds, different cultures, and just get to know those people and understand where they come from, why things happen the way things happen. If you look at the world right now, I think there are so many things going on that you, if you just look at the country without knowing anybody living there, you really don't understand what's happening. But once you talk to the actual people who live there, once you try to get to know them, I feel like you're understanding standing of the whole context of the whole world gets so much brighter and yeah I feel like my personal mission is to connect people and to listen to people try to understand where they come from where they want to go what the reasons behind their actions are yeah just connect with those people that's my personal mission 
That doesn't surprise me at all from a knowing you and also and you know your history and also even you talking about your professional life and things like that because I think that leads and lends itself really well to being a project manager and having to pull people from different departments and things like that but also again this has happened a few times but mine was yeah build community wherever I go try to connect with people and and build those bridges and your your point as to how everything in the world is right now it's it's very true we need to be able to do that to understand what is happening even I asked uh Senya before we started the show how is everything going in Germany and because I've only seen a few things on the news so hearing even just from your perspective as a local and you know young adult figuring life out throughout a pandemic it's definitely uh, important to be able to have those voices and I think that's one of the reasons Kelly and I are so excited about this podcast growing our audience so that more people are hearing from different people even if they don't have exposure Uh, like we do as friends. Beyond your personal mission, we're excited to hear more about some of your experiences in high school and studying abroad in the U.S. on multiple occasions. Uh, So I'd love to hear specifically when it came to your high school exchange in Wisconsin, how was that experience? How did it come about? You know, was this something you had seen people do uh, in your life before going or was it something you found on your own and approached your parents about? You know, what was that experience like? And then actually coming to the U.S. and I know your host family, as you mentioned, is super important to you still. And I personally understand that concept very well myself, having host families that are, you know, very much a part of my life from afar even now. So I'd love to hear about how that relationship evolved while you were there and then how it evolved now that you're, you know, obviously back in Germany and they're still in Wisconsin. Right. So I don't really know why I always wanted to go to the U.S. As long as I can think I wanted to go. Maybe what I saw on TV or what I read about the U.S., it just fascinated me. The whole country, the whole yeah, humongousness of the country, the diversity of the country. I just wanted to get to know it. I don't think I know a lot of people who went there before me. So I looked up everything myself. Um, I told my parents I wanted to go. They supported me. And then I made them go to various, yeah, like interviews for different organizations. I made them go. I think we went to like three or four or five because I really wanted to go and I wanted to get to know the organizations. They had different programs. Like some of them had a week before you started high school, you went to New York with the whole group and got to know like, had some courses and did some stuff there. Some just were about going to the U.S. and just having a person near you who was looking after you a little bit, um, helping you with your experience. So I went to all those interviews with my parents. I uh, did everything, the organization of those appointments. And we decided, or I decided on my favorite organization, which we eventually ended up picking. Yeah, as I said before, I didn't really know a lot about Wisconsin. I tried to look up the state a little before going there. And I think the only thing that I found was there was a lot of bugs there, like spiders and bugs. So that's, (laughs) and then my friends kept on teasing me about that before I went, but (laughs) it took a while before I got my host family. You usually fill out an application and then you send it in and then it takes a few months until you get a reply. And the family who picked me was a family with three children, two girls and one boy. And the boy was not present when I was there because he was with the army and he was in Japan. So I didn't really get to know him while I was there. But my two host sisters were. One of them was my age, which was really nice. We went to the same class in high school, which made, I think, a lot of things easier for me. 
because I had someone who could show me around. And then my other host sister is a little bit younger than me, I think four or five years, but we still, we all got along really well, which was really helpful for me. I think I arrived about a week before high school started. So I had a few days to just get there, relax a little, get to know the people, get to know where I was. They picked me up with this huge family van and I don't think I've had seen a car this size before in my life. And they've, I think, changed the inside a little bit. They put like party lights in there. They had like TVs set up. And I was just like, where in the world am I? That was like the perfect yeah, image of America right there picking me up from the airport, which was so cool. I just loved it. And then my family has a little cabin up north in Wisconsin. So for the first few days I was there, we drove up there. We had a really nice time up there. I got to know the grandma. My host family is pretty big. They have a lot of aunts and cousins. And I feel like it's a hundred. Every time I go there, they all come running to me. Hi, Svenja. And I'm like, oh God, I don't know who you are, but I know I've seen you before. Which it's one just are you? <laughs> what? Which one are you? <laughs> You're right. It's, it's just too many. I think the my host dad, he had like 11 siblings, I think. So it's crazy. It's a huge family, but I just love it. Yeah, and then when high school started, I got to pick my schedule. I got to pick my classes, and I was really excited. That was the first time that I got to pick choir as a lesson in high school. In Germany, we have a very set-up schedule. You can't really pick a lot of subjects on there. So I, I was very excited to make my own little schedule. It was a really small high school. I think my class had about 100 people in it. So it wasn't a big high school with like 500 different classes, but it was still yeah, enough for me. I found some really nice classes like band, marching band. First time I did marching band in my whole life and I figured I cannot play and walk at the same time at all. So either I was walking and pretending to play or just standing and playing. That's the only two types that worked for me. <laughs> yeah, um, high school was really, really fun. I really liked it. Um, I spent a lot of time in school and doing club activities after school. I did tennis, soccer, and um, basketball, which I really sucked at, but it was still fun. And then I also joined art, um, an art class, I think, and some other things. So I was really busy with all the high school activities, which is really different from Germany, because in Germany, you have school and you only have your subjects at school. And if you want to do anything fun or anything, yeah, any sport, any create, creative thing after school, you have to do it with like a club outside of school. There's not a lot of things at school, actually. So that was very different for me, but also very nice because it was so easy. You knew the people there, you knew your class. So I really tried to get involved in that. At my high school, we were, I think, six exchange students. I was the only German-speaking one, which was also nice, because as far as I've heard, there's always a lot of Germans on high schools doing those exchange programs, and I was very happy that I was the only one, so I didn't get uh, into speaking German too much. I had to speak English with, with them, which was really cool, and we all got along very well. It was one boy and five girls, yeah, so that was also cool. We did some activities like doing a day trip to Chicago, doing a day trip to medicine. Yeah, the classes also were a little bit different than they are in Germany. In Germany, 
your grade is made up mostly or let's say 75% of your participation in class. So you really have to engage in everything. You have to speak up, you have to be involved. And at least uh, at that high school in America, most of your grade was just your homework, handing in or wait, doing your homework, which was already 90% of your grade, which was crazy, maybe 5% participation and the rest was tests and exams. So that was very, very different to what I was used to. And I personally, from my personality, I liked that system better because I was never really one of the loud kids in high school in Germany. So in America, I could always do my exams and I didn't do too bad on them. And I had decent grades, I think. But that was a really big change for me when I arrived in the States. After half a year, I changed my classes. I was a junior when I started in high school, but I had enough credit. So I was able to switch to being a senior. And then after the whole year was over, I was actually able to graduate at my high school, which was a really cool experience. And which is also very different than graduating in Germany because you get the whole dress up in the United States, you get the tassel, you get the hat. So that was really fun. And then I also had my little graduation party with like a big American cake with my face on it, like printed on it. So that was really cool. I really liked that. And that was so American. And I made a lot of really, really cool friends, which I'm still connected to to this day. Most of them have visited me in Hamburg, which is very nice. And I also try to see them pretty much every single year when I go there. Yeah, that's so American, their explanation, or maybe Midwestern. I'm not even sure if they do that everywhere in the U.S., but with graduations, I, I know those parties where you have the big the big cake, and, you know, it's like an open house. Everyone comes in and right. Do you have the cake you- with your face on it, Erin? Well, I was one of the weirdos. Um, my sister did, and then I said, I don't want a graduation party, Mom and Dad. Send me to Spain. And I went on a high school exchange for my graduation instead and instead of presents, I said, I'm going abroad. So that was the big, you know, oh, Aaron's not having a graduation party. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I did when I graduated in Germany at my high school. I didn't go to any like graduation party in Germany. I just went to the States for three weeks. So I would love to hear a little bit more about that family dynamic, too, with the host family. You know, you said you became very good friends with them, but I know you go back every year. How was it, like, adjusting to being, you know, this outsider living in someone's home, or did they just kind of bring you in, like, another sibling? And you had friends that were exchange students as well, so how was that dynamic maybe for them, or did it seem similar to yours? I think I was very lucky. I had a really, really great host family I even called my host mom mom and my host dad. So I was really integrated into that family. I was treated like a sibling from my host sisters. I know that there were other students also at my uh, high school who weren't so lucky. I think one of them had three different host families until she find, found one that was suitable for her or that fit her. Um, I was very, very lucky with my family. They took me to all the family birthdays and all the packer parties and the whole thing. I did the whole thing thanks to them. In March, we did a spring trip with the whole family. We took the car and we drove all the way to Colorado to go skiing. Which also, also very skiing. Midwestern of them to drive all the way to Colorado. So and Midwestern. <laughs> The Packers, like, oh my gosh. The Packers, yeah. I didn't even know what a Packer was when I got there, but 
I, I had to learn that very quickly. Yeah, no, I was very involved with the whole family. There were a lot of cousins who were our age as well, and they were really close with them, still are. So they came over all the time. We went to their place. Yeah, the grandma also is really involved. She always gets everybody together for any kind of occasion. Yeah, just up north, staying the weekend at the little cabin, going water skiing, or they have a little boat where we go on fishing or just tubing. I was very, very lucky that they picked me as their student. Yeah, I think hearing your experience too, I was it reminded because when I met you, I was living abroad in Madrid and I was I had a host family, right? But this was a program that really was kind of a host mom and it was more of a boarding house situation, which was disappointing to me having had a great host family experience myself previously uh, when I had done my high school ex- like exchange where I hosted a student and then I went and stayed with them. Hence the graduation gift being going to Spain and no party. But I remember you saying that and being reminded of how, oh, I wish I had had that experience in Spain too, and how impactful that would have been in my cultural experience having lived there. So I think a lot of people don't realize how vital um, having, you know, a local community or a specific group that you're living with really does change that experience. And having myself experienced it in college too, I think that can be just as impactful, even if you're no, you know, an independent adult as we might see ourselves, at least as Americans in college, more that, you know, an adult and we want to live on our own but that host family experience uh, just really does give you that local connection and makes you probably feel less homesick because you have, you know, that united family front or whatever it may be. So I'm glad you had that. And now you get to come back all the time uh, and see them. I do. It's so nice. And they were so supportive of me all the time. Like I tried so many new things. Like I've never played tennis in my life before. And my host mom always drove me to practice and she picked me up and she drove me to like on Saturday and Sunday, we had matches and she drove me everywhere. So they were so supportive. Let me try pretty much everything I wanted to do. And I don't, I hope people realize, I mean, I don't know who our listeners are in terms of Americans who are interested in high school exchange, but I wish more people in the U.S. would be interested in hosting students too, because I also thought about this as a student myself who had uh, international, you know, exchange students at my school. And I just thought that is so cool for their families to get to have that experience and them to learn even you know, not getting to go themselves by proxy, they are learning about a different culture and way of life without even getting to go there. So I thought, wow, that's such a great way to do it. And then when when I did get to host a student, even though it was only for three weeks, it was really eye-opening for my family. And I've decided, you know, whenever I have kids one day or a family that I definitely will at least be hosting students, if not sending my students on high school, my kids on high school exchange. They might not want to, but I have pretty much have decided they're going to. (laughs) Yeah, same for me. Yes. Right. Way of and I life. a few families at my high school, and some of them actually ended up hosting students after I left, which is so cool. And they loved it. They got convinced and, by you? Right, yeah. Did I your hope. host family, did they end up hosting any students after you or even before? No, I was the first one and I was the last one. I think they thought about doing it after me again, especially for my younger host sister. But I think some stuff came up, like my little host sister, she um, had a really terrible car accident two years after I left. And I think they, uh, the priority switched a little bit for them. So 
but I know they thought about doing that again. I also, they told me they're a little bit scared that the next person they're hosting isn't like me. So I was like, wow, that's kind of the point, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. they just, they, they were like, no one can replace Svenja. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, I'm curious to know, maybe there's a, maybe there's a tie here, but you were able to spend all of this time in the United States. When did couch surfing come about? Did, were you first one of the hosted or were you a hostess first? I was a traveler first. So I stayed on people's couches. It started, I think, when I studied in California for half a year for one semester. And I met a couple of people there and we wanted to travel a little bit while we were in California. I don't even know how I found out about Couchsurfing. I think I saw it on TV, actually. They had like a little 15 minutes thing about Couchsurfing on there. And I just wrote it down and I just checked it out. So we started to travel in the U.S. using Couchsurfing. And sometimes it was just two of us, so myself and a friend. But sometimes we were like four or five people, which was really cool that there were people willing to host so many people. And we had some really, really great people hosting us, people taking their time to show us around, drive us around, host us for a couple of days even, cook for us. We met so many great people. With some of them, I'm still in touch. Some of them came back to Hamburg to visit me here, which is really cool. Yeah, I think that's how it started. And then a few years later, when I got my first real apartment, I wanted to give back to people. And that's when I started to host people. And I've hosted a couple of hundred people, I think, by now. And it's just the best experience ever. It's wow. so cool. You so many interesting, fascinating people. Some of them have been traveling the world for like two or three years. They make a stopover in Hamburg for like a week or two. Some of them just need a place to stay at for a night because they're catching a flight in the morning or a train. Some of them, <laughs> some of them um, want to spend the weekend in Hamburg. Yeah, there's such a diversity of people visiting me. It was yeah, really cool, really fascinating. Lots of different backgrounds and countries. Yeah, I was going to ask, did you keep track of how, like which countries they were from or even, you know, which provinces or states, depending on the on the country? Um, I have a little guest book where people write into before they leave. So I can always look it up. And I can see it, I think, on my couchsurfing profile. I can see where the people have been from who have stayed with me. But I think mostly it's been actually Americans and then people from Europe. I think those are the most common uh, yeah, couchsurfers I've had at my place. Sure. Well, I think that the, the most comp frequent travelers that you meet on the road seem to be Americans, Australians, and then like British and then Germans. <laughs> At least in in Europe, so I'm sure it switches up in other parts of the world. I'm curious when, you know, having been one of the people you hosted and how I met you, how do you kind of navigate if somebody requests, you know, reaches out to you and says, could we stay with you? How do you navigate deciding if that's somebody you want to host um, or, or that sort of process yourself? I'm curious how that looks, especially if you get somebody that you're like, ooh, because as somebody who was looking at hosts on my end, you know, there was some that I was like, definitely we're not reaching out to that person because they just didn't, it just didn't fit what we as female travelers were looking for necessarily. But 
uh, I'm sure the hosts as well have that sort of, you know, those characteristics or things they need out of who they're hosting. Yes. I think I'm very picky with the people I host. When they text me or when they send me a message saying that they want to stay with me, I look at the reasons why they picked me as a host. Most of the messages I get, like 90% are, hey, can I stay with you? And that's it. So I never re even reply to those messages. It's just too many of those. But then the other 10%, they really take that time to point out why they think that we would be a good match, like why we, you know, why they think that hosting them would give me a new perspective on something where our common interests are, that they found something on my profile that they're also very interested in. I read the message very carefully, and if I think that that person sounds interesting, I also very carefully check their profile on Couchsurfing, and especially the reference area. Do they have references? When did they register? And what do those references say about the person who wants to stay with me? Though I also have to say, I hosted a few people who didn't have any references at all, but then the message was so personal and so nicely written that I personally felt, yes, I think this is gonna work. I am very very picky. I mostly also just host girls or couples but for myself just being a single girl living in my own apartment most of the time it doesn't feel right to just host a guy. Sometimes I did but most of the time it's single female travelers or groups or couples. So I try to stick with this rule a little bit. And what do you appreciate most about some of your favorite guests? I'm thinking now that this might be a nice episode for people to listen to in terms of how can I be an expert couch surfer? How can I, you know, make sure I'm staying at the right places? And also how can I make sure I get those good recommendations so that the people who are clearly well-rated themselves as hosts are going to want to host me? I think that's very different for everybody. For me, I want to connect with the people who stay with me. I want to talk to them. I want to get to know them, where they come from, how they grew up, what the situation is like in the country. I want to really interact with people. There are some couch servers out there, hosts and also people who travel and stay on people's couches who don't want that, who just need a place to stay. And also the host is fine with that and they don't really talk and just stay a night and just leave in the morning. But for me, the whole inter-communication part, the whole yeah, getting to know each other part is very, very important. And I also try to make that clear on my profile that I also say, please only request to stay with me when you're also interested in getting to know me and my background and to share your story with me. So those are, the, I think that's the most important part for me. Yeah, I think that's a good point that it you just have to really look at that profile and determine if your values match, essentially. Yeah. What are some of the most impactful experiences that you've had, either as a host or as being hosted? Um, and do you, like, who do you remember the most or conversations or, or experiences, whether it was showing around Hamburg or if it was exploring somewhere new? Oh, wow. There were so many. One of my favorite ones is a couple in California, in Huntington Beach. And I stayed with this couple the first time in 2012 when I was on a road trip in California. And I stayed there for a few days. Then a few years later, we met again in Prague in Czech Republic, which was so cool to see them there again. And then a few years later, 
I think now twice again, I revisited them in California once for a week, the next time for a few days. And they are always so welcoming, so open. They do so many things for us, which they shouldn't have to at all. They bring us to their friends' parties or they just introduce us to other people. They cook for us. They go out to dinner with us. They were just so welcoming and it just made us feel so yeah, welcome there. And just seeing them again in Prague was, was really, really cool just to travel with them also for a few days. The guy is from Italy, so that's also a very international couple, which also makes it very interesting. Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite experiences. Another one is with another friend. I went to Miami for, I think it was 24 hours. We arrived in the afternoon and we had to leave the next day in the afternoon. And they really squished everything in there is to do in Miami. We went to the clubs. We went to go swimming in the ocean. We went to see alligators in like a little boat. We did so many things in just a few hours. It was incredible. Yeah, I've had a few people coming to visit me a few times in Hamburg, which was also really cool. I have one friend who is actually from California, but now living in Australia. And I met her when she started her world trip where she ended up traveling two years. Uh, in the beginning, she came to Hamburg to stay with me, I think, for a week. And yeah, we just connected really on a deeper level. We're still really good friends. Um, it's cool to hear your input and, you know, your background and going and doing it yourself and also hosting and you explaining what you like to look for in a profile because I didn't even think about it when we were when I was starting uh, couch surfing, which was with my friend Kaylee, and we were the people without any references for sure, because we had never done it before. So I know we didn't have any references, but I remember seeing your profile and we were very adamant about making sure that we had some way to communicate with the person, at least that we felt like the person was going to be a welcoming host and we weren't going to be imposing on them in any regard. And I think it was the fact that you maybe in your profile said that you had done a high school exchange in Wisconsin. And mm -hmm. we, I think in the message, we're like, oh, we're from Chicago. Like we understand the Midwest. Like we're high school friends, both living and studying in different parts of Spain. And I'm thinking maybe that's why you let us come without references. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure. I don't remember now, but when he said that, I laughed because I'm like, we definitely didn't have references, but it yeah. makes sense to want to have people with references and you got to start somewhere and find people that are willing to, to let you start and do it. And I think that's a good thing to point out in the U.S. too. People are hosting and you could do this as a, an American traveling throughout the U.S. as well uh, and learn from the locals about different things. And I think we, we have had another guest on a previous episode who biked across the U.S. and he did another couch surfing, surfing equivalent called warm showers or something. Right, Kelly? I can't I remember think, what it was called. I think it was, warm, I think it showers. was warm showers. I think it was warm showers. And I, I know I had never, I had heard of it, but I didn't understand what it was. And it's the same idea. They're letting bikers come stay with them. And so it's just interesting how there's these different communities and how you can build out from them. I'm curious if there was anything specific when you studied abroad in the U.S. as in university or the high school exchange 
from that perspective specifically where you had an experience and you were like, wow, I never realized this, this process was this way because of, you know, the cultural differences or if there was anything kind of eye-opening uh, that you realized about how the humans in the U.S. interacted versus your experience growing up in Germany or anything of that nature um, that you, you appreciated or you were like, I'm glad we do it differently, that sort of thing. Because to the US for the first time, I always thought, well, United States and Germany it can't be that different. Like it's two westernized countries. How big can the differences be? But I think once you live in one country in Europe or in the United States, you'll notice that there are so many, many, many small and big differences. Just one little example, when I arrived for my high school year um, at my host family, we had dinner one of the first nights. My host family, they always, well, they have a knife and a fork. And then before dinner or when dinner starts, they cut everything with the knife and the fork, everything. And then they put the, the knife and just eat everything with the fork. And if they happen to go in a situation where they would, would maybe need the knife, they just use the finger and just scoop everything on the, on the fork and eat it. But I was sitting there with my knife and my fork and just eating what we do in Germany, like cutting everything, putting them in my mouth and go on. And they were just looking at me like for a few minutes. And then after a while, they were like, are you left-handed? Because I had the, the fork in my left hand and the knife in my right hand. And I was so confused. And I still don't understand why they use the fingers to put the food on the fork. It just doesn't make any sense. Okay, so Erin's like a- laughing here, and I just had, because I eat the same way you do, Svenja, and I, when I was little, younger, like 10, I loved steak, and I would cut up my steak, because I didn't, I was like, I just want to get all the hard work over with, and then eat and enjoy my food, and that was kind of like my line of thinking, and my family gave me such a hard time. They're like, your food's going to get cold. So I eventually was like, all right, you might be right. (laughs) So I switched over. But (laughs) Erin, anything to add? (laughs) I don't know if that's just the Midwestern thing then, but for sure, I did not realize I am left-handed. So I should preface this. I tend to eat with the fork what would be flipped over in the U.S. and cut one piece at a time. But that's what I learned eating with your the, the fork in the left hand and the knife in the right is actually proper etiquette. But I also grew up with a father who was left-handed, but he was told and taught he had to eat with his right hand. I That was supposedly proper etiquette in the U.S. when he was a kid growing up in the 60s. Well, I thought uh, it, was, it meant you were, like, it was the sign of the devil. My grandfather had the same thing. Yes, apparently. It was, and his family was Catholic, and I think that was part of it. My family, people cut up everything first and eat it, or they cut up their spaghetti, which I also don't understand still to this day. Um, and then when I lived in Spain... Both times I learned even more about proper etiquette. My host mom, when I lived in Spain in college, was always adamant about how do I know if you're done with dinner unless you put your fork and your knife together to symbolize that you're ready for the dish to be cleared because then the waiter or the person clearing your dish can grab them with the plate and easily pull it away from you without putting you in danger by dropping a fork or a knife. And that blew my mind. So, and that's something I've always done. But it's funny how you learn those things by just observing doing a natural thing, which is eating meals together with other people. And then you learn, oh, wow, that's, that's something I had never thought of before. I think those are those cultural moments where you really do. 
well, it recognize makes me think too about I feel I've never seen that really well maybe rarely in the United States at a restaurant where you put the the silverware together but I think that we also exactly. your meals are rushed out right so mm-hmm. so it's not like regardless of where you've put your utensils when they're like wrapping things up they're gonna take your dish that's so interesting to me and and it makes me wonder like what like this idea of proper etiquette where is it coming from like who you know if if is is it a universal thing like probably not and and it just makes me wonder I don't know lots of questions all right, Svenja, that's a lot of great information about couch surfing and your experience in, in the United States and hosting as well as being hosted um, around the world and the connections you've made and the experiences, cultural and, you know, just fun that you've had. So thanks again for coming on to Generation Travel Radio. It's really been eye-opening and love hearing about your background and your passion and mission, uh, your personal mission as well. Thank you so much for having me here. I had a lot of fun talking to you guys. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope that the stories you heard today have inspired you and helped you to think about what intercultural experiences you'll seek next. Catch another story next Monday. We are Generation Travel Radio. Keep thinking globally. 